I don't know about you, but I think we're in a very difficult time as believers. Simply because the ones who profess themselves as believers are not showing Jesus. They're not showing the heart of God. It's not being revealed. What's being showed are a lot of rules and a human agenda. But God has already given us a ministry, a ministry of reconciliation. And, in yes, and unless our paths are on his path of reconciliation, then we just miss the mark. We simply miss the mark. I'm not here to beat up on you or talk about those who are not on the path of Christ, but I'm here to encourage you as believers to live loudly and live loudly do this ministry that God has given James to give to us. Amen. This is a very powerful ministry that you'll never, never, ever, ever, ever hear about through the world. But it's called the Ministry of Mercy. Mercy as a ministry. I grabbed from my text James, the second chapter. And how many of you went to uh, your study sessions this week? Wow, nobody. Oh, one, raise your hands high. So the world, man. Raise your hands high. Amen. So you'll have a heads up on what we're dealing with. Amen. We're dealing with pressure points for those who aren't dealing with it. And I, I challenge you to go, okay, because one thing you will not receive, you won't receive everything, the discussions, the lessons that we learn, amen, that we need um, through each other unless we study together, amen. Just like we figured out we wasn't going to really change the world like God has given us the mission to change the world until we live together, amen. Amen, one church. Amen. That's why we're together. Amen. We're not trying to make a statement. Amen. But God convinced us that having churches separate was not the way. Amen. That to really change the world, we were going to have to change ourselves. And we're going to have to change ourselves not by just fellowshipping together, but living together. But anyway, let's go to our lesson today. It goes from James, the second chapter. Amen. I have the message version. Amen. Why? Because I like it better. Amen. I grew a little bit. Amen. Anybody who knows me from Soul Center, amen, I, I love King James, amen, because it really wasn't sanctified until it was, amen, never mind. <laughs> amen, but would you read with me? It says, my dear friends, don't let public opinion influence how you live out glorious, Christianized, Christian or, or originated faith, excuse me. If a man enters your church wearing an expensive suit, and a street person wearing rags comes in right after him, and you say to the man in the suit, sit here, sir. This is the best seat in the house. And either ignore the street person or say, better sit here in the back row. Haven't you segregated God's children and proved that you are judges who can't be trusted? Listen, dear friends, isn't it clear by now that God operates quite differently? He chooses the world's down and out as the kingdom's first citizens with full rights and privileges. This kingdom is promised to anyone who loves God. And here you are abusing these same citizens. Isn't it the high and mighty who exploited you, who used the courts to rob you blind? Aren't they the ones who scorned the new name Christian? used in your baptisms. You do well when you complete the royal rule of scriptures, love others as you love yourselves. But if you play into the, these so-called important people 
you go against the rule and stand convicted by it. You can't pick and choose in these things, specializing in keeping one or two things in God's law and ignoring all the others. The same God who said don't commit adultery also said don't commit murder. If you don't commit adultery but go ahead and murder, don't you think the non-adultery will cancel out your murder? No, you're a murderer, period. Talk and act like a person expected to be judged by the rule that sets us free. For if you refuse to act kindly, you can hardly expect to be treated kindly. Kind mercy wins over harsh judgment every time. Amen? Amen. So I come to present to you my point, my argument this morning, the ministry of mercy. I thought it was so amazing that God gave us these scriptures during this time for us to go over, considering that we are nothing like the scriptures read. We don't judge, right? <laughs> we don't judge. Just look at us around us. All of us are just all non-segregated, amen? Black people over here, white people over here. Hey, look, and there's nothing wrong. I'm not here to make fun of you. I'm looking at what I'm observing. And there's nothing really wrong with it. It's just that... And it's not even that we make judgment calls that are bad. But if we treat people differently just by face value, the word of God says that we have missed the mark. And I'm going to tell you this morning, being straight front up, I have missed the mark. Amen. George Howard has missed the mark. So you got two things on George. George has been locked up, he's been in jail. Right, right. It's a hard crowd, man. It's hard. <laughs> hard, hard crowd, Sean. I swear it's hard, man. George has been locked up, and George has missed the mark on judging. Because just this morning alone, I saw somebody and judged him at a glance. Why? Because it was easy. <laughs> it was easy. I knew from lo by looking at them that they were homeless, that they were homeless because they wanted to be. And that they didn't want anything from me except my dollar to add to their homelessness, right? Judgment. I dare I judge. And you know what? I did it all in my mind by walking right past that person. But I know that y'all are nothing like me. But let's not take you or me. Let's deal with America. America's nothing like the word says. We don't judge. Amen. We talk about Christians' lives from platforms and pulpits and talk about how we are there for all God's people and how we love the Christian and or love the sinner but hate the sin. Amen. Well, that would cancel us all out considering how many are free from sin up in here. I mean, we're free from the penalty of sin, but anybody not wrestling with sin anymore? Anybody not wrestling with the sin anymore? Anybody not wrestling with the temptation anymore? Amen. Hard, quiet. Y'all got quiet. Amen. Listen, the point is, is not to, to point out that we do judge, but to point out or that we don't judge. It's to point out that we do judge one another and get past it. Amen. The, one of the first lessons that I love about James, and everybody knows, let's get some background of James. James was the brother of who? Oh, thank you, Sean. I like for y'all to talk back to me if y'all ain't realize. Amen. I'm just like, thank you, Sean. Amen. Join in when you want to. Um, but James was the brother of Jesus. How many got brothers and sisters up in here? 
Amen. I got one in the crowd that just walked in. Amen. I love him. Love him to his core. I love the stank on him. Amen. I love him when he's wrong. I love him when he's right. I just love him. Amen. Why? Because he's mine. Amen. But check this out. James not only was the brother of Christ, but was also a follower of Christ. Wow, that's deep for me. Because I love God. But if he stood up tomorrow and talked about I'm the Savior. <laughs> I'm going to get him evaluated, amen, <laughs> under 72-hour hold, amen, and get some deliverance in lithium's name, amen. But, <laughs> but, and look at James, it, it, to me it says to me, what an awesome God we serve. Christ had to be Christ really behind closed doors for his brother to follow but check that out. James grew up as a disciple, right? grew up around them, and went on to grow to be in Jerusalem. Amen. The moderator of the church of Jerusalem. Jerusalem's church was huge. It was the pinnacle of their belief at that point. It was huge. And yet they did, they seen after Christ got crucified, you know, they appointed his brother. James, awesome. Awesome. It says to me that James' character was something else too. But unlike my believers, my brothers and sisters here, you know, when I start reading the book of James, I think James is crazy. <laughs> James is start right crazy. And he doesn't stop being crazy in this verse. But let's just start with, with, the, with last week's verse. I, James, a servant of the Lord. Ooh, well, it's kind of weird. James, you want to use servant, you know, same as slave. But I checked it out. I get to an analogy. But he says, count it all joy through divers and temptation. Hold up, James. Could you introduce what you're teaching a little softer? Because you didn't say joy and temptation and joy all in one sentence, and that don't go together. But he gets to talking just as crazy in our verse. As he says in here, he says, my brothers and sisters, he says, my dear friends, don't let your public opinion influence how you live out your glorious Christian-originated faith. Now, how am I not supposed to do that? Well, we know that Paul put it in this in Romans 12 and when he says, be ye transformed. You know, don't, don't be in the world. Don't be in the world. Be, be transformed. Be above the world. That's what we're supposed to be. But how can I not, James, be influenced by the world when the world is always around me, not only influencing me, but my children and my husband and my wife and my job? I cannot escape the world. How can I change? He says, if a man enters, and he gives this example that we all use. And if a man enters your house and one has on great clothes and the other enters and he has on rags and he has an odor and you treat the man who's dressed well differently than you treat the man who doesn't dress well, he says, then you missed the mark. And I know all y'all said, well, I'm like me. When I first read this, oh, that doesn't apply to me. I treat everybody the same. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. You know I do, but you know, because my heart's right. I pray every day. I love God. I love God. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. But God, in his infinite wisdom, begins to talk to me and point out to me that no, I don't. Can I give you some examples? Oh, thank you, Sean. Hey, thank you, Sean. Give it up for Sean. Can I give you some examples? <laughs> When's the last time you stopped and gave 
your homeless brother and sister a ride or inviting them over for dinner? What stopped you from doing it? What would? Safety. Safety. Thank you. What else stopped you from doing? Fear. Fear. But the word of God says if we let those things stop us, then we do what? Miss the mark. We've totally missed it. Because we all desire not to be judged. And I know we do because how many people had a bath this morning? Ooh. Oh, it was more than that. Amen. And we take a bath not only because we want to be clean and we want to smell, smell clean, but we don't want the insecurity of when we're around somebody and start sweating that we may stink. Amen. Don't you think humans feel the same even when they're homeless? It's just like you when you were a sinner. I already knew I was a sinner. The homeless person already knows they stink. I mean, seriously. They already know that they don't look like you. So the judgment that we do by stepping over them is not a condemnation, right? Because we are resting in safety and resting in fear. But somebody told me in the word of God that God has not given us a spirit of, but of, and us. hey. Hey, I like what y'all talk to me. So why is it that we dwell in fear? And that's what we got to try to get to is the judgment part. James is trying to teach us that if we take the easy way out and uses the world standard to judge the world, then we will never walk in the ministry that God has given us. We just won't. Why? Number one, because it's easy. It's so easy to judge. I did it earlier today. Why? It wasn't because of safety. It wasn't because of fear. It was because of, for me, it was easy. I, I, I didn't have to stop. I didn't have to engage. I didn't have to participate. All I had to do was walk by. Just by walking by, I've totally missed the mark of Christ. Amen. Let's think of some other, other ways. So, so number one, my first part, mercy takes honesty, all right, because I'm not here to beat up on you. If you want to live a merciful life, it's going to take some honesty. It's going to have to first to realize, number one, that I judge people. I got problems. I got issues. Yeah, it's me. Even as a black man, I've got prejudices, right? I've got things in me that is not of God that it needs to be delivered of. And, and sitting on a platform saying that, oh, no, I've been oppressed, I've been a victim, don't, does not negate the fact that God is trying to deliver you past that. Are you willing to walk? It's going to first start with some honesty. I'm going to give you an example, another example, how honesty works for God. Remember Adam and Eve, Garden of Eden? It's one of my favorite parts of the Bible. Right? They had sinned, right? Got caught up. You know, I'd be like, I'd be the first one at the tree trying to get the fruit. I'm not like it. But I would, I would have been the first one at the tree. But I know Adam and Eve, and, you know, sin took the fruit. <clears throat> and God said, come out from under the bushes. You know, what, what's wrong? Come out from under the bushes. Talk to me. Eve says, I can't, Lord. 
We're naked. You know, God is so cool for me because he responds so well. You know what he says? <laughs> he says, who told you you were naked? I don't view you as naked. The sin that you committed, I still see you as the perfect creation that I created you from day one. So it's okay to be honest is what I'm trying to tell you. It's okay to be honest and say, Lord, because God cannot deliver you from something you will not admit to. He can't. If you're not willing to deal with it, number one, you got to be honest, okay? We're going to make some, some progress in any, anything. We got to be honest because mercy takes honesty, but mercy produces liberty. I'm going to give you an example that we used in this verse. It says that, you know, when we don't do that, when we treat the poor man different than the rich man, then we miss the law. But check this out. Check if we treat them all the same without impartiality. Who gets free in the scenario? Everybody. If we come into this house and we treat everyone the same, despite our idiosyncrasies, despite our temptations, despite our gifts, whether good or bad, despite our economic status, despite our race, despite our gender, despite our sexual orientation, despite even our religion, then it transforms the room into something heavenly. Because we are subscribing, as the word says, until the same law of the one who freed us. We are subscribing to the same God that is the God of mercy. Right? It produces liberty because we ain't got time to talk about that. It's like coming in here, some a stranger, like coming in here and say, do you know y'all got black and white people in here? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, we already know that. Okay, so what? So does it with that same kind of impartiality. If we, the body of Christ, refuse to act with partiality, I tell you, God, we take us to a different level. It will produce a certain amount of liberty around the room that you will think, well, what happened? Not necessarily the liberty of praising God, the, but the liberty of being God. You feel me? That's a big difference. One of our church members, and I know I didn't, didn't really plan on saying this to me, really lives this life. And uh, I hope I don't really embarrass him by saying that. We've got a brother in the house by the name of Martin. Amen. And his ministry is exactly to do this. It's a ministry to Muslims, amen, people who are supposed to be, I think we're told, uh, terrorists. I know y'all have never heard that before. God, it's a hard crowd, y'all. God, it's a hard crowd. You know, Muslims, those people who, who we are taught by American standards, who are taught to kill by their religion. But, but, but my brother here, Muslim, heard from, excuse me, my brother here, Martin, heard from God, a voice from God says, that you know what, I need you to go and be God to them for me. Why? Because they need to be free. Number one, they need to realize that I'm not the God that some people say I am. I'm not the God that condemns Muslims. I'm not the God that says that y'all are terrorists. Because if not, nobody gets free, right? 
we just blame them and we blame us. Everybody blames one another. We never even have a conversation. No freedom, no liberty. Everybody's bound in their own mental prison. Wonderful. And you know who wants that? Satan. Satan. I admire him. And not only the calling that God has on his life, but his willingness to do it. Mercy produces liberty. If you ain't free, then maybe you ain't producing mercy. Maybe you ain't no mercy in you. But it starts with mercy. It starts with mercy. Go on, because I know I'm not going to be like Jamil. <laughs> mercy is victory. Mercy is victory. You want to know how to win? Be merciful. Be merciful. And I know... <laughs> This is not what you're here in school, remember? Not even what we teach our, our kids. Be merciful, uh-uh. Somebody hits you, you better hit them back. If not, I'm going to hit you. Uh-huh. I know nobody else was taught like that. Was that a black, by the way, could I tell, was that a black thing? Did, did anybody, any other people get taught like that? That's not a black thing? I like that. Hey, thank you. See what I mean? Turn down walls, child. I love it. Anyway. Uh, you know, you was like, oh, I got to hit you. Either that or my daddy's going to hit me. You know, that kind of thinking. But the, the, the mentality that we're living here is that if we are not merciful uh, or if we show mercy too much, then we'll somehow be taken advantage of. And that's not the way of God, is it? <clears throat> Can I rewind the tape in your mind before you? How many saved people we got in the room? Let me say that. How many people we got redeemed by Christ? saved. And, and I don't, if you're not, it's okay. You're really the person I want to talk to. But if you're saved and you know this, <clears throat> that you felt condemned before you got saved, but once you got saved, you felt that you had the victory, right? You had won. Excuse me, old man gas. <clears throat> Amen. But <clears throat> You received victory. And you know how you received victory? Because you sought the mercy of God and received it. I don't know anybody who got saved by saying, and these are the people that, that scare me. And maybe you haven't seen these people, so please forgive me. You whore, you fornicator, you sinner, blah, blah, blah. You know, and I think to myself, well, who's going to come to your camp? I mean, I mean, you're going around calling everybody whores, pointing at them. I mean, and I say that to say that is not merciful. How do you expect to attract the sinner or the one who doesn't know Christ without mercy? Why? Because mercy is exactly what you needed. You're not going to tell me you accepted Christ because <laughs> you accepted Christ because he made you. Christ ain't never made you. You're not going to tell me now. Now, you may accept it when you was young. You know, they tell you you're going to hell. Nobody wants to go to hell. And they tell you how bad hell is, and so you come to Christ. But the, the trick is that then you're like, oh, God, now this is Christ. He's nothing like the way you talked about that this is Christ. You know what I mean? You ever have that situation but the mercy is what gave me the victory. When I came to God, the first thing I realized in Christ, there's no condemnation. That he 
is not the one who's reminding me of my sin is Satan. He's not the one that's going, under, going around accusing is Satan. He's not the one going around telling me lies that you're not ready, you're not prepared. It's Satan. He's not the one steadily trying for me not to walk in the plan of Christ. It's Satan. God doesn't tell me, you're not equipped, you're not ready, wait. That's Satan. So you want to have a victorious life? How willing are you to live a life of mercy? Can you extend the same mercy that you need and receive every day? If so, has your life changed? I'm telling you, mine has. Judgment is something I still struggle with. But every time I want to do wrong, God reminds me, I go back, go back, do that right. That's victory. That's victory. That is victory. <clears throat> mercy does something very, very great. great. Mercy removes. Mercy removes that thing from your life <clears throat> that makes you think that I'm better than the next person. Mercy makes us all on one equal playing field. Why? Because we all need it. And once we come to the realization that we all need it, then we freely give it to everybody. It puts a new spin on what love actually is because love without mercy is not actually love at all. And <laughs> mercy is not compromising. It's just because <laughs> you're merciful doesn't mean you have to compromise. What it means is that you're free enough in God that I can give what he's given to me. Not worrying about whether God or me are going to get hurt or going to get slammed or condemned. But why? Because he's already got the victory. I'm telling you what another thing mercy does. Mercy mends. It mends. Just like when you came to Christ, it was the mercy of God that healed your broken heart. But when we extend mercy to those who don't deserve mercy, because that's what mercy actually is. It's extending help or a gift or compassion to some group or belief, a group or organization that, don't de that doesn't deserve it, right? So when I extend mercy to someone that doesn't deserve it, it actually mends. Mends what? It mends the relationship. A relationship that you had ignored was even broken. It means, it, what it means me, because it takes away the fear of not being safe anymore. It then, therefore, allows me to be a bold believer in Christ and walk therein. If not, then I sit back meekly and let things just pass and wonder why. Mercy means, mercy restores, but also mercy moves. Mercy what moves where? Mercy moves us to maturity. What Christ needs is some mature Christians. Got a lot of babies out here. Let's keep it real. Got a lot of people saved and know who God is and know that he's loved. <clears throat> but we're not willing to grow in Christ. 
because we're not willing to be merciful. Mercy makes you have a mission, a mission that's also outward but also inward. And the mission is maturity, to let God be more than just fire insurance, to let God be my friend, to let God be my father, to let God change me first, and then I can change the world. But if I'm not willing to, then mercy won't move. Mercy won't mature. And we're satisfied being the babes in Christ. And you want to wonder well, why, you, why you're wandering for the next 40 years. It's not that you're not saved. It's that you say, throw up my hands, God. This is who I am. I'm not willing to grow in you anymore. But it says clearly in, here in the word, it says, I love the last verse in the, in the 13th chapter that we did. And kind mercy wins over harsh judgment. What a mature mature, mature statement in Christ. Sometimes, as we discussed in our Sunday school lesson, the only thing that we're concerned about is being right. As long as we're right, grace and mercy covers. Wrong. If it's a harsh word, if it's a harsh look, you counseled out mercy. I guarantee you, my brothers and sisters, <clears throat> if you are not willing to accept the ministry of mercy, come on, Stacey, are you right? Come on, son. If you are not willing to accept the ministry of mercy, then you're not willing to mature in Christ. How many want to mature in Christ? I don't know about you, but I want to know him more than I did last year. Everybody keeps saying, I want a move of God. I want the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I want God to do something new. Well, it starts with you. God, am I willing to mature in you? Or am I satisfied with being the two-year-old? Am I willing to mature in you? What is the cost? What cost did you pay, God? So, as you go throughout this week, notice how much you judge. And it's not that you judge, but are you willing to give the same amount of mercy as you do judgment to someone? Amen? Amen. 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 Thank you all for sharing. Amen. Amen.